0: This is WCNY's The Capital Press Room, and we're joined in the studio by Michael Davoli, Senior New York State Government Relations Director for the American Cancer Society Cancer Action Network, who is with us to discuss some of his group's state budget priorities. Welcome back to the show, Mike. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. Well, I want to start with what the state spends on tobacco control, efforts to get New Yorkers to stop smoking or never start. We heard from the state health commissioner recently, and he said, quote, we do spend a fair amount of money on tobacco control. What do you think about the money being spent? Is it a fair amount? Well, listen, there's no denying that 39%
1: million dollars annually on tobacco control is a lot of money, but when you take into consideration the fact that over 22,000 people will die from smoking-related illnesses in New York in 2024, and that the state and local governments will be on the hook for hundreds of millions of dollars in healthcare-related expenses because of smoking-related illnesses, it's really a drop in the bucket, and we need to be doing more if we're going to curb those smoking rates and save lives from tobacco. Aren't we already seeing progress when it comes to efforts to reduce smoking in New York? Absolutely. Look, in the past 20 years, we've seen smoking rates overall go down on average from around 30 percent down to in the single digits in some places like Westchester County. But then in places like Chenango County and, you know, a lot of the upstate New York counties, the southern tier, you've got smoking rates that are 25 to 30 percent adult usage. And, you know, we have to continue to fight to ensure that people are getting what they need to help quit and to stop youth from starting in the first place. So while we're spending a lot, we need to continue to invest to make that progress. Because like I said, 22,000 people dying every single year from smoking-related illness, I mean, that's bigger than the capacity of Madison Square Garden or the Times Union Center or whatever it's called right now. You know, so it's no small number that we must address.
0: So then what is the appropriate spending level when it comes to tobacco control?
1: It's a really good question. There are a lot of, you know, sort of federal, national guidelines about this that say that New York should be spending over $200 million annually. But that's not what we're advocating for. What we're advocating for is to get that number really sort of incrementally back up to where it was, you know, a decade ago. Right now, the state's spending about $39.6 million annually. We're specifically asking for the state to spend $46 million annually on tobacco control. And you take that money and you really target it towards the communities that have those higher smoking rates. We're not talking about spending money on broad-based ad campaigns that hit upon people that don't necessarily smoke. We're talking about funding locally in those communities where people are smoking and investing resources into programs that are going to help deter from youth from starting in the first place.
0: But Michael, where would we even get that money from? Are there any sorts of dedicated funds or taxes that we could tap into? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Every single year, the state
1: generates around $860 million in tax revenues from the cigarette tax and from tobacco products now that number has declined over time because smoking rates have declined over time and that's a good thing but the fact that we're still bringing in over 800 million dollars in tobacco taxes and we're only spending 39 million really tells you that there's a big imbalance everybody loves to tap into every tax possible for their you know pet projects But the bottom line is, this is a tax that is trying to curb usage of tobacco, and we need to be investing more of that money.
0: Is there a possibility, though, that we're at a point where people understand the danger of smoking? It's been out there for a bit. It's been 25 years since Michael Mann released The Insider. So is there a possibility, though, that we would be spending bad money after good or good money after bad, however this... this phrase works in the sense that people already know and they're just making a choice for themselves. Being strategic in
1: terms of how we target and who we target is really critically important. And that's why I say we're not going to be talking about broad-based advertising campaigns costing millions of dollars that sort of go after people that don't necessarily smoke anymore. We really need to do those focused efforts to help prevent youth from starting in the first place. There's so much research out there that shows that if you don't pick up a pack of cigarettes or if you don't start smoking or using tobacco, by the time you're 25 years old, you are never going to pick up that pack. And so we really need to invest, continue to invest in getting youth from stopping in the first place. It is kind of like weight loss where it's like the first 10 pounds you're trying to lose is often really, really difficult. Then the next 10 is sort of... You know, kind of a little bit easier, but that final 10 pounds that you're trying to reach to your goal is the hardest. And that's where we're at. And we can't just back down because if we back down, we're talking about 22,000
0: people dying every single year. I'm going to have to ask you about your weight loss program later, but before... (laughs) It's not working so well for me. Well, before we do that, though, let me reintroduce you. For listeners just joining us, this is the Capitol Press Room, and we're speaking with Michael Davoli, Senior New York State Government Relations Director for the American Cancer Society and Cancer Action Network. And I want to focus on the revenue side of things for a second, and, and specifically the taxing of tobacco products and how it can vary when we're talking about things that aren't necessarily cigarettes. We
1: think about tobacco taxes, everyone thinks about the cigarette tax and the fact that the cigarette tax just was increased by a dollar and we, you know, it's the highest in the entire nation. But what we don't often talk about are what are called the other tobacco products, cigars, roll-your-own loose-leaf tobaccos, electronic cigarettes, chewing tobacco stuff, all of these other products. Unfortunately, they're simply not taxed at the same rate that traditional cigarettes are. So if you think of 100% rate is where cigarettes are taxed at, chewing tobacco, snuff, all of these other products, they're only taxed at about 75% of the wholesale price as it relates to cigarettes. And then e-cigarettes are actually taxed at only 20%. The impact that has, one, it's generating less money, but more importantly, you're making it easier for someone who is cost-conscious to simply switch to a cheaper product. And so that's why we need tax parity. We need to bring up those other tobacco products to make it to an equivalent rate of what uh, cigarettes are in New York State.
0: So I understand making the comparison between electronic cigarettes and the traditional combustible cigarettes that we think about from a pack. But why does a cigar need to be folded in considering that they're often enjoyed in a much different way than say someone who's addicted to cigarettes?
1: Well, they're enjoyed in a different way for some people. I remember the days when I was in college here coming to the Capitol and the, you know, the hallways of the Capitol and the Senate were filled with cigar smoke. That's not where the big boom is happening. that boot boom in cigar smoking is happening in younger people. Younger people are picking up cigars at higher rates than, than adults are. And if they can do that and it's a cheaper way, they're more likely to do so. So this is really all about sort of deterring people from starting the product in the first place. And, you know, often the people that are going to be able to pick up a cigar because they want to sort of enjoy that aspect of it, they're going to be able to afford the tax,
0: and when it comes to the conversation around parity, does that extend then to marijuana?
1: Well, that's a different. Honestly, it's a very different question. I, I really can't speak to it. Um, but I, you know, listen, parity for all of these products, I think, is a good thing. But it is kind of like, you know, comparing alcohol taxes to tobacco taxes. I just can't speak to it.
0: Well, then let's turn to another area of spending, specifically what the state invests into the cancer services program. What are you hoping that will be the final funding commitment in the budget that's due March 31st? You
1: know, look, New York State, it does incredible things when it comes to helping have people have access to cancer care and help people have access to health insurance and health coverage. But we need to do more. We just released our annual Cancer Facts and Figures report, which show that over 122,000 New Yorkers will be diagnosed with cancer in 2024. And if you look at just three of those cancers, will make up over 40,000 of those cancer cases. So breast, cervical, and colorectal cancer. At cancer to it and prostate cancer, you're looking at over 60,000 of the 120,000 cancer cases, all can be detected early through routine screening. And that's where the cancer services program comes in. This program is critical to ensuring that people have access to the cancer screening that they need. We're asking the legislature and the governor to annualize the cancer services budget at $22.325 million, which would be a small increase from where the program has been for the past five years.
0: And that would mean, what, more people could access it? You could potentially change the eligibility requirements? What would you like to do with that extra money?
1: Right now, there are nearly a million uninsured New Yorkers across the state and the cancer services program is specifically aimed at getting the sort of our lowest income our most sort of economically disadvantaged new yorkers who are uninsured making sure that they have access to cancer screening and the additional funding is going to allow these sort of state grants across the state to go into these communities, these grant holders, to go into these communities and identify those people that need to be screened. And so, again, it's not about statewide ad campaigns promoting the importance of screening. It's about going into communities and identifying the people that need to get screened and making sure that they get access to screening, but also that they get access to the treatment if they get a
0: diagnosis. isn't that second part of the equation kind of the deterrent? If we are able to detect more people with cancer, then the state's going to have to pony up for more treatment? It is a lot more expensive to treat a cancer when it's diagnosed late When
1: someone winds up in the ER, as opposed to let's catch that cancer early when it's a stage one or stage two cancer and get them in for treatment. Because whether you screen it or not, if the person has cancer, they're going to wind up in the hospital with that cancer. The difference is if we catch it early through advanced screening, one, the survival rate is going to be much higher. But also the cost of that treatment is going to be much less
0: than a late stage diagnosis. And right now, as advertised by the State Department of Health, this is tailored to breast, cervical, and colorectal cancer screenings. Would you like to see the types of cancer screenings done by the state expanded? Is there an opportunity to look out for more cancers with more money?
1: You know, it's a really good question, um, and it's a tricky question. The cancer services program is specifically designed to focus on breast, cervical, and colorectal cancer. A large portion of funding for the program itself, in addition to the state funding, comes from the federal government, through this National Breast and Cervical Cancer Early Detection Program. And then the state supplements it. Therefore, it allows it to cover colorectal cancer. We don't believe that we should be adding new cancers to the CSP as it currently exists, but we do believe that New York State should launch an initiative around lung cancer screening to ensure that people have access to lung cancer screening similar to the way that they have access to breast, cervical, and colorectal cancer screening. The difference between the different cancers is what's important. Lung cancer screening, it's about your behavior, whether you are a lifetime smoker, 30-year smoker, et cetera, versus breast, cervical, and colorectal cancer, it's just based on your age about whether or not you should get screened. And so that's why just lumping it, adding lung cancer into the CSP is not going to get us where we need to go. Where we need to go is actually launch a comprehensive program to ensure that people who need to get screened for lung cancer are getting screened for lung cancer.
0: Unfortunately, we're out of time. We've been speaking with Michael Davoli. He is the Senior New York State Government Relations Director for the American Cancer Society Cancer Action Network. Mike, thanks for visiting us in the studio. My pleasure. And don't forget to go get screened, Dave. How old do you think I am? (laughs)